evening is basically aimed at telling, explaining to you guys the two big changes that are going to be happening in primary school age children's ministry at Christchurch Bromley from September and thinking a bit about how that's going to, uh, how to, how we can make the most of that. And then otherwise we'll be um, praying, we'll probably pray in two groups, uh, Zoom and non-Zoom. And uh, also just plenty of opportunity for you guys to ask questions. I don't, ima- I'm only planning on talking for sort of half an hour, which probably means 40 minutes um, in real life, but that should still mean plenty of time just to ask questions. If you want to ask a question, just do, if you're on Zoom, there's, we're a small enough number for you just to stick your hand up or just blurt the question out, it's fine. Wait for me to draw breath. Um, yeah. Otherwise, let's get going, let me, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all of who you are, all of your goodness and generosity, your overflowing grace and kindness to us through so many things. Thank you that actually your uh, kindness and goodness to us is so ginormous, we can't even really comprehend it. Thank you that you pour out your resources to us that we might do this job that you call us to do, to faithfully bring up the children that you've blessed us with within the church. And we ask that you might help us to do that, uh, but that this evening you might help us to uh, understand what's going on, why it's going on, Uh, how it might be of benefit and Lord might you take these plans and use them for your glory and the good of the children that we and you love so dearly Lord help us to ask good questions uh, to think clearly and to listen well amen um the first thing I need is a bible um just for a moment's time um the first thing to do is just to talk a little bit about the relationship between families parents and children's ministry that is just that we'd be clear because we're going to be talking so much about those children's ministries we just want to i just want to make sure that we're clear on what that relationship is between family and these ministries because i think it is often it's often misunderstood. I'm not saying it's massively misunderstood within Christchurch Bromley, but often when I talk about the role of parents beyond our walls, people go, you surely can't mean that. You don't really mean that. Um, And so I think it's just still worth us saying it again and again and again. And that is, parents are primary. Uh, Not parents are useful but parents are primary in bringing up children. Uh, one pl- uh, children to know, know the Lord. One place to go would be the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The statement to parents, to fathers in this situation, but actually parents, is very clear from the beginning of the Bible to the end. Parents, it's your responsibility there isn't a command to youth ministers there isn't a command to children's workers there isn't a command to sunday schools 
it, the command is uh, to parents again and again and again. And just to say, so what that doesn't mean is it's not the job of professionals to bring up children to know and love the Lord. Um, it's not actually the job of our children's ministry and youth ministry to do it. If we're relying on professionals or children and youth ministry, uh, then uh, we put our eggs in the wrong basket. Um, I sometimes get uh, the phrase partnering with parents is one that's used often. We partner together. And there's a sense in which that's right. But sometimes I think people think we're talking, well, if it's 50% parents, 50% church, put it together, and that's how it works. Um, whereas I don't think that's the picture that we get from the Bible. Partnering with parents is parents, you're taking the lead, doing the heavy lifting, and, and we want to partner with you and do everything we can to help and support and enable that to happen. Now, to be honest, the people that I'm talking to in this room get that. That's why you're here. So I'm not saying this to you as a, um, you don't get it. I'm just saying it to remind us. And then the immediate feeling that I get when I remember this and I think about Josiah, and to be honest, at the moment, he's quite easy. I know that it's going to get harder with him. But still, that when I think it's, it's on me, I still get that kind of vertigo feeling of, oh, it's too much, I can't do it. And so alongside saying it, the primary duty is pet, is, is, belongs to parents, I want to say to us, we aren't alone and it's not out of control. The first thing as I say it's not out of control is that this is God's plan. This is nothing less than God's plan, is that it would be parents' job to bring up their children. Uh, he says it again and again and again, and he's not making a mistake. He knows that the very best person to bring up your children is you. Because you know your children better than anyone else in the world. You probably know them better than they know themselves. You know how best to encourage them in school. You know best how to encourage them with food. You know best how to teach them all sorts of things. You know best how to bring them up to know and love the Lord. You may not feel that you know the Bible well enough. You may not feel that you're, you're godly enough or something, but you know them best, better than anyone else. You're the expert in them. And so you get you are actually best equipped by God to bring them up, to know and love him. Uh, so that's, it's not out of control. It is his plan. Second thing, you're not on your own. Most importantly, the Lord Jesus has promised to be with us to the end of the age as we make disciples in Matthew 28. And that is nothing less than bringing up our children to know God. We have not been left alone. He is with us. The spirit is in us. And secondly, you're not alone because you are within the people of God. That's one of the gifts that God has given us. There are dozens of older men and women that have brought up children faithfully in this church. Talk to them. Uh, there are volunteer teams that want to partner with you. 
There are events and holidays and groups for the kids. There are dad's groups. There are um, all sorts of different things that are going on that are there to support you. If you ask someone in this church family, you ask an older lady to pray for your children, I promise you they will keep praying for them and they will keep bugging you about asking you for things to pray because they would love to partner with you in doing that work. Uh, And so the last thing to say on that is just avail yourself of any help from the church family that you can. Please never hesitate to ask as you do this great task that God has given you. Uh, Ask whoever, whether it's me or other people, um, and encourage others to do the same. Uh, That's the first thing. So it is you guys, it is parents who are primary. The children's ministry stuff that we're going to be talking about is part of how Christchurch Bromley is fulfilling the promises it's made to your children at their baptisms or dedications, where we promised to help raise them to know and love the Lord. That's what this children's ministry stuff is. It's part of the relationships that we're building around uh, you and your children. Uh, So that's sort of the big context. Uh, I hope that's encouraging rather than discouraging. Um, But uh, let's talk about the two changes. We'll just work through them one at a time, obviously. Um, The first change is this. Primary school age children will be in the service for all but the Bible reading and sermon on a Sunday. So that's primary school age children will be in the service for all, but the Bible reading and sermon on Sundays. So that should mean as we go back, if we were to go back to our sort of old timing of church, of church services, kind of if it was a 75 minute serv- service, they'd be in for about 45 minutes. Or if it was an 80-minute service, they'd be in for about 50 minutes. So they, they'd be in for the beginning. So they'd be in for welcome, call to worship, singing, confession, whatever's going on in that first part of the service. Then there'll be a, a greeting. We'll talk a little bit more about this later. There'll, there'll be a time where we can say hello to each other. The kids will head out. Um, they'll head across the road. Uh, and then at the end of their session, they will come back and come back to us and say they'll be in the gathered people for whatever happens afterwards. So whether that's the Lord's Supper, prayers, uh, sending out, commissioning a benediction or an interview, whatever it is, that's that's what they'll be in for. Um, The big, so the why on that uh, is, well, firstly, uh, I am and we are as a staff team, well, most of our staff team are convinced that it's it is biblical it is actually the model of the bible that children at that children belong in god's covenant people as they gather and you can trace that all the way back exodus deuteronomy you can see it again in uh, joel or ezra nehemiah it's just happening again and again and again that the children are there as well as the bible is being taught you find it in the New Testament as well, as Jesus is teaching on the side of a mountain for a long time until they're so hungry uh, that he needs to do a miracle. There were children there. And we know that there were the children there listening because the person that brings their packed lunch is a lad. Um, when the disciples say shoo to the kids, 
Jesus says, no, let the children come unto me. When we gather on a Sunday, we are gathering in God's presence. We want to say, let the children come unto him. In Acts, uh, when Paul is leaving the city, the whole church, including men, women, and children, go out to pray. In this little book here of Ephesians, this letter that's been written to a church to be read out to a whole church, you do all of that grand big theology, the cosmic stuff, the stuff about being brought, uh, brought from death to life, all the stuff about being built into the new temple and the new humanity and putting on and putting off. And then Paul just says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, because he expects the children to be there in God's gathered people. So the first reason we want to do it is because we think children belong in God's gathered people as much as anybody else. Um, so that's, that's reason number one. Reason number two is less principled and more um, pragmatic in that there have been some unintended consequences of having kids uh, for most of their Sunday school time heading over the road. This isn't a knock on what has happened in, in the Sunday school classes. Um, I think the Sunday school classes have been taught really, really well, and I'm going to say that again uh, later. But there have been some sort of secret things unintentionally taught to our kids, which is essentially that they, they don't really belong in here. They don't really belong in the gathered church family. There's a bit for them, but really they need to go out there so that we can get on with the real stuff. And there's, I, I think there is, a, there is, at some level at least, communicated a not really belonging. And even if, I know that's never been our intention. I know no one has ever thought that they wanted to say that. I, and I don't, I don't for a moment think that we have intended to do it. But I, I think unintentionally, we have been putting them out. And even if, even if we haven't said it explicitly, even if the kids haven't felt it necessarily, when they come back, they feel like it's alien to them. So they don't belong when they come back because they haven't learned to belong. They haven't learned to be in a group of people that are different from them. They haven't learned to be led in prayer by Chris Lumgare. They haven't, I didn't mean for it to rhyme like that. Um, they haven't learned how good that is. They haven't seen the Lord's Supper, so it is completely alien to them. Until very recently, no children at Christchurch Bromley basically saw the Lord's Supper until they were 14 or 15. And that has led to some pretty hilarious things at camp, for example. I remember one time, a girl from a very solid Christchurch family had basically told her leaders that what was going on during communion in big church was was that Jesus was being sacrificed on the altar again. You're like, oh my goodness, could we, like, it's a table, not, like, there are just so many things to say, but because we're just leaving it up to their imagination. And so when they come back, they just don't know what's going on. Um, we had to very quickly say to everyone, no, but we're not, we're not teaching that, I promise. <laughs> or the other thing, and this is a story that I've told many times, but I think it bears repeating. 
Um, I remember speaking to the keenest of 14-year-old boys. He was telling his friends about Jesus. He wanted to live for Jesus. He was moving from Pathfinders into Spectrum. At that time, Spectrum was on a Sunday evening and on a Friday evening, and we said, you should come to one of the church gatherings. And I explained that to him, and I just thought he'd go, yeah, great. His response was, why? Why, why would I come? Why isn't youth group enough? And my immediate reaction was, I can't believe you don't understand. And then I stopped like, later that day, and I was like, well, he doesn't, he doesn't understand sermons because he's only ever been dropped in a half-term sermon halfway through Habakkuk, and he doesn't know what's going on. And I don't know what's going on in Habakkuk either, so it's not a surprise. He's never seen the Lord's Supper. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what it is to be in a group of people that isn't just his own age because he doesn't experience it anywhere. He doesn't experience that at school, and he doesn't experience that here because he's at, over there all the time. He doesn't know what it is to be led in prayer. He doesn't, hasn't seen his parents worship the Lord and excitedly, eagerly listen or sing or engage. So why would he want to be here? He's never learnt to be here. He's never learnt to belong. It's one of those unintended consequences uh, that has happened. They miss out on being formed by not just what goes into their heads, but actually by how we live. It's one of the amazing things, isn't it, that humans don't just, aren't just formed by what goes into our heads. We are formed by the way that we live. And the way that we live as Christians should be extraordinary. And if our kids aren't in here, then they won't learn it as we live it. It's not the only place, but it is the pinnacle of what we're doing. Uh, also, we're saying, anyway, sorry, that's an aside. Da, 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 da. Uh, what do we hope for? Essentially, we hope to flip that. We hope that kids will learn to belong, that they will feel like this Sunday supernatural activity that the Lord is doing amongst us is where they belong, that it is their home. And, and I think, I think probably over COVID, that has already begun to happen quite significantly uh, for many. Not all, but for many. We pray that they would be formed, uh, not just by their mind, but by what we do. Through uh, enjoying the diversity of people that are here, who will love them and look out for them. Uh, practices, confession. I, again, I, I remember just being, being in a, um, our youth group, and before we had pathfinders coming in 50% of the time and we were talking about confessing sin and one of the boys just turned and said I can't I can't confess sin in front of you because then you'll know I'm a sinner and you're like well I, well I was like I already know I already know you are a sinner <laughs> but he didn't realize that Christianity 101 is confession of sin and actually every week we do that together, and to learn to do that together, to learn the concepts of what sin is, negligence, weakness, own deliberate fault, uh, that there's all sorts of things going on, will be good for them. Lord's Supper, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm sure you have as parents, so many kids on days when it is the Lord's Supper are craning their neck, desperate to see what's going on, 
and they half of them want to do it, half of them are a bit concerned, but they're asking questions. It's doing the thing that we want it to do. It's doing the thing that kind of the Passover meal was established to do, that you had kids asking, why is this happening? Because this is how God saved us through a broken body and shed blood. I just think that's super exciting. Uh, the last story to say is a sort of a COVID encouragement is that um, we set up a little Bible study for some girls uh, that was being run by Zoe Sim. And on the last one of, that they had, uh, I'd been working in the office, they called me in and they asked, were asking some questions. And one of them asked, what happened to Jesus between the day that he was killed and the day he rose again. And then one of these other year six girls turned and went, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day, he rose again. She just quoted the creed. Because, she had, because she'd been saying it through COVID, she'd learned the shape of the gospel story of the work of God, who he is and what he's done for us, just by hearing it and saying it and saying, this is what I believe. Now we had a conversation about what that means, but I was amazed. I reckon if you asked half of Christchurch Bromley what was happening, well, I think lots of people would go, oh, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> um, and yet there, doing the job that it's meant to do was the creed in this little girl. Uh, so I was, I was very encouraged by that. And, and that sort of little pictures of what I hope will happen uh, to our kids as they spend more time within the gathered congregation. Um, how to make the most of it, and then we'll do some questions. Uh, any questions that you have? I guess the first thing to say is that it's a long game. Um, I don't think it's that within within a month, we're gonna see huge fruit from this. But I do think over a number of years, we will. And I, I really think the long, the fruit we'll see is, is really about retention of kids. You look at our youth and children's ministry, I've been here for nearly 10 years in various ways. Uh, and the pattern has basically always been the same. Scads of kids, half finders, gets a little bit smaller, but not massively smaller, but a bit smaller. And then this quite big drop-off, particularly on Sundays. My prayer, my hope, is that what we'll see is that that drop-off is reduced. It's not that that drop-off is any different here to anywhere else. It's not. But it is still there. And lots of people are asking the question, why? And one of the big answers coming out across all sorts of parts of the country and Anglosphere is this. That actually, we've not taught our kids to belong, so they don't belong. They just hanker after more and more youth ministry. So that's what they look for in a church when they go to university and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so that's sort of a long-term thing. I think that's how we'll see the fruit is that they'll stay in, uh, in the long term. 
Um, and so I guess that means if one Sunday is a disaster, don't worry. If 10 Sundays in a row is a disaster, don't worry. It's okay. We've got 50 in a year. We've got how many? Well, seven times five, whatever that is, um, across their primary school years. There's, there's a lot of chances for this to, to get right. Don't put loads of pressure on it to be perfect all the time. And what does perfect even mean? Perfect doesn't mean quiet. Perfect means engaged, listening, asking questions, preferably worshipping. And in the long run, that's what, that's what we really want, is them engaging in worship. And so um, that means that the, it is possible to think that the right way to get through church for our primary school age kids is distraction. And I think that might be a useful tool potentially sort of particularly in the reception years. But I think once we move past that, we want to work at engagement. Now that engagement is going to look different between a year six kid and a, and a year one kid. It is going to look different. Uh, I'm not saying that the year one kid needs to be making notes about the liturgy. That's not what I'm suggesting. But, but engagement is what we're after. And so, and the way they'll learn to do that is actually by catching it from you, from you, from us as parents, is by looking at how we're doing it, seeing us loving singing, however it is that we love singing, or however it is that we love engaging with things. They're not expecting um, all of us to look like some worship leader from Sovereign Grace. They're not expecting us to do that. They know you better than anyone else. So they know what it looks like for you to take things seriously. And, and it will be you doing that that helps them engage. Uh, when it comes to saying liturgy, the confession, for example, helping them to do that, leaning over, showing them the words, helping them to follow it, that's going to be much easier for them than looking at a screen. Uh, just again and again and again, that has been a repeated refrain from parents who have been trying to do this, that having something in front of the kids here a little arm round, a whisper in the ear, that kind of thing. Uh, also, please do teamwork. I know at the moment we've got COVID situations going on, so it's very difficult to pass your child off to someone else. But in real time, there are other members of the church family that will love helping your kids. Why don't you invite them to sit with you in church and to say, can you help me this week? Just be engaged, help this little girl this little boy uh, engage and and i'm sure there are lots of people that would love to do that uh, whether they're younger or older or whatever um a couple of books um i've this book is at the back if people want it parenting in the pew robbie castle it's a good book it sounds smug just forgive her for it sounding smug there's lots of good wisdom in there um it's just that she's done it and it's worked and she wants to encourage other people to do it. We're English, she's American, it sounds smug to us, but she's just saying, I've done it and it was good. Um, I my copy of the book that I actually wanted to show you isn't this, uh, I picked up the wrong one, um, but it's Let the Children Worship 
Uh, if you want to think more about should children be in the service, then that is a great book and there's tips in there. I've also got a paper that's been written by um, a family's minister um, that we would know and trust. It's not been released in his church yet, um, but it's half the paper um, that just outlines some of the thinking behind why we would be in. But can I particularly show you this book, which I think is fantastic. God Made Me for Worship. Uh, it's by Jared Kennedy. Um, it is a kid's book about what's going on on Sundays in a church service. Um, and I just think it's brilliant. I gave it, I, I read it and I thought that's done me loads of good. I gave it to Louise. Louise was like, this is great. I gave it to Matt Lloyd. Matt Lloyd was like, this has really helped me understand what's going on. Um, it's basically, I think it should be compulsory reading for every member of staff. Um, it is a kid's book, but it, it is a great thing to read through. I, if your kid's in year five or year six, they might think, oh, this is beneath me. It wasn't beneath me. Um, it looks childish, so they still might think it's beneath them, but it isn't. Um, I cannot recommend it highly enough. There's a section at the front for parents and a section at the back um, for you to read before to help you think about how you're going to make the most of it. I just think it's a, a cracking book. 